Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Okay, we've got a PowerPoint and all this, um, but we're, we'll start in just a moment. But basically, as you've heard us teach before, and again, this is like I said, a family meeting for the church. Those of you who are really feel that you want to be or, or consider yourselves a part of Commonwealth Christian Fellowship. So that it's important. But what we're doing today is we're not trying, we're not going to predict for you or offer you up structure as far as how this is going to be done, this is going to be done. Those things actually are going to follow. We're going to put a lot more structure into things, for example, like the house groups. We're going to set some goals about how many house groups we want. We're going to, you know, learn to pray for those and explain how they're going to be used and put some structure in how they're going to be worked and what's going to be communicated. Things like membership classes, anything and everything, our prayer, whatever, we're going to develop more structure to that so that we can indeed be on the same page in that area, at least know what's expected of us and, and you can know what's being offered to you because we need involvement, to say the least. But today, you know, when I was taught all my life was this, and it is true in the scriptures that everything, remember, begins in the spirit before it's manifested in the flesh. Can you just say that with me? Just, I'll say it slowly. Everything begins in the spirit. Just say, say it again. Everything begins in the spirit before it manifests in the flesh. Now let's say it again slowly. Everything begins in the spirit before it manifests in the flesh. So what this morning is about is what we're going to read to you. And actually, this, these copies, we've got about another 17 copies. Something went on, something's happened with our printer. But I want anybody and everybody that wants this, it's about eight pages front and back, but we want you to have it so that you can read it for yourself exactly what we're going to read out. Because it's important if you consider yourself or want to consider yourself part of the fellowship. But basically, everything that begins in the spirit, it has to begin in the spirit for it manifests in the flesh. So what we're doing this morning is trying to communicate, as it were, our, what... God has spoken to Rod and Julie as far as what we stand for in the spirit, okay? What our spiritual DNA is. Do you understand what I'm saying? What we carry in our heart, because again, it's what we carry in our heart that manifests in the flesh, like I just said. Every church, you've heard me say before, is just like the human fingers. You know, we have, every human has different fingerprints. Every church is different. I mean, every church on planet Earth is unique to itself and to its own calling. And yet, of course, every church has similarities. So this is why we want us to be in the same page, because we want you to feel like you can fit here. Or if you don't fit, you know, that's fine. May the Lord God bless you, and may you find a place where you fit. But this is what it is. We're just, this is like there's something so fresh that God is doing. I, I just cannot tell you how... It's all right. The kids are kids, and they're going to be in here, so we're going to have some of that, but that's all right. Listen, I, 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 I cannot put in words what God is doing in my heart and in Julie's heart. Like I said, I am honestly no melodrama intended, but like I said, I'm, I probably said it every Sunday, but I can't help it. There's, I'm just so excited 
about what God's doing in my heart and my spirit. It's like, honestly, I'm beginning to understand verses I've quoted for years. It's like there is a fire that's shut up in my bones. There's something that God's ignited. And it's like I've been propelled to another level. And I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. But like as I said, I'm just so much in this book and so much in prayer and spending so much long in tongues. It's, it's uh, actually, it's, I'm just blessed. I'm excited. And, but I'm, I'm saying that with humility. I don't want anybody to think Rod's trying to pat himself on the back. But again, knowing a little bit about spiritual things, this is important because I know if God's putting this on me, he's going to put it on you to consider yourselves part of the body. I tell you with a fully persuaded heart, there are multitudes upon multitudes of people that are racing to us right now to become part of this church. Hand on heart, hand before God in humility because of the message that God's allowed us to carry and because of the particular sound that God's allowing us to harvest in our worship and what, you know, there's so many, it's difficult to explain, but he's doing it. But anyhow, so let me just read a familiar verse from Matthew 18 and then we'll just get to this and start to read. Matthew 18 was where Jesus speaks about, well, let me, I'll read verse 18 to put it in context again. Matthew 18, 18. Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit, isn't that amazing? Whatever you permit. What are you and I permitting? Whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be, must be what is already permitted in heaven. But this is the verse again. This is why we're doing this today. Again, I tell you, 19, if two of you on earth will agree, will harmonize together, will make a symphony together, about whatever, anything, and everything they may ask, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. I believe Jesus Christ to be a truth teller. It will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. For wherever two or three are gathered or drawn together as my followers in or into my name, there I am in the midst of them. Amen. Praise God. So basically it's agreement. This is why we're sharing this. Okay. So let's go ahead and put up the first little slide, if you would, and we'll get started. So good morning, everybody. Smile. CCF Vision 2018. Go ahead, next one. Now, like I said, this is not preaching today. This is, we're going to read through this. Commonwealth Christian Fellowship. Our aim at Commonwealth Christian Fellowship is to experience the living Christ. Amen. I'll just, I got to be careful, see, because I want to, I want to, I want to preach already. Our aim at Commonwealth Christian Fellowship is to experience the living Christ. Now, I, you know, I got to stop. <laughs> I can't help God help me. 
because I've got to raise kids one. When Julie and I finish, you know, the elders are going to come up and share a bit about each position and Tommy Children's Church and so on, all of them just share a moment about what our heart is for every, as it were, compartment or ministry part of the church. I was reminded yesterday, Julie was asked to speak at a, I've got to be, okay, Julie was asked to speak at a, at a gathering on a, you know, National Day of Prayer on, on a Friday. It went well and everything to say the least. But the point is, we were reminded about how, you know, 95% of churches, I'm just going to tell it like it is, 95% of churches still share a whole lot of woe is me, woe is me, woe is me, you're broken, you're horrible people, you need to repent, my God, you've sinned before God over and over and over and over again. And it just gets so drudgery type full. It's, there's very few churches that actually stand up really honestly and declare to you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How about we rejoice over that and what God has done? In other words, you have to make a choice, a message I used to do years ago, on which side of Calvary you want to live on. <clears throat> and thank God that we're a church that teaches Christ in us the hope of glory what God has done in Christ and how we can appropriate what God has done today through faith in him and faith in what God has said. Because if God has done it, he has done it. He's not going to do it again. We just get to learn how to appropriate by faith what grace has already made available to us. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Just say we love you, Pastor Rod. Okay. Stop it. Just read. Our aim at Commonwealth Christian Fellowship is to experience the living Christ not a dead religion, and offer people permission to dream. We are a house that will bring hope alive. See, every one of you need to carry this in your DNA. This is what we want. We want everybody on the same page because of what God will do where there's this level of agreement. We are a house that will bring hope alive. We are a family that offers faith, hope, and love, and we choose, therefore, to live by these precepts. When God said to love one another, he meant it. Amen? Just that simple. When God said to love one another, he meant it. When God said to worship him in spirit and in truth, he meant it. When God said his house was to be a joyful house of prayer, he meant it. When God said to earnestly covet the gifts of the spirit, he meant it. When God said he has given us authority over all, all the power of the enemy, he meant it. That means we're going to see all manner of power manifestations. We will see the cancers healed. We will see these things happen. We will see the lame walk. We will see the blind see. Because that's God's will and that's what God's word says should happen. We need you to say amen to that. Okay? But this will take place because all of us agree that this is what we're about. Not what we haven't seen, but what we're about to see. When God said, go into all the world and make disciples, he meant it. Hallelujah. Through God's grace, God's strength, God's anointings, our goal is to be a company of believers who flow intentionally with these values who diligently seek the Father's heart at all times through prayer and who intentionally live lives of celebration, sacrifice, and praise unto our Lord Jesus Christ. With his heart in mind, 
We seek to win the loss for his glory. We want to do our best in establishing his kingdom, building a house of prayer and worship in the heart of London. We want to raise up pioneers, leaders, and dreamers to take ground for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we endeavor to do this through the message, the music, and the mission. Okay? The message. God's message is the good news. Somebody say good news. It really is good news. I said it really is good news. I... I, you know, driving in here this morning, I said to Julie, I said, you know, we are just reflecting for a moment. I was thinking about next Sunday is Easter, and it happens to be April Fool's Day at the same time, April 1st. I landed here 35 years ago next Sunday. And I was thinking to myself, and I was just saying, you know, when I look back, and I think about all the things that's transpired just in my life, in the last 50 years, been walking with the Lord right around 50 years now. I mean, it is an incredible, miraculous journey for all of us, isn't it? When you look back and you see the ups and downs, the valleys and the things we've gone through in the mountains and what have you. But when you actually see and reflect on God's faithfulness, it is incredible. It is good news. This gospel is power. He reforms, restores, rejuvenates, and makes something new out of anyone. I'm telling you right now, the Jesus Christ that we serve can fix and wants to fix anything. I don't care what low ebb you may think about. And I'm telling you, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer and the solution to it. And that's the simplicity of what we say we will stand for, we will fight for. We will not yield to anything less I said we're not going to yield for anything less. But it can't happen just on the backs of Rod and Julie. This is, again, why this is a family thing. We want everybody to take one of these home, or we'll, get, we'll bring him more of these next week because we want you to read them and think about it for yourself. God's message, the message, God's message is the good news that Jesus Christ came to model and to manifest for us all. Jesus came to redeem mankind fully, through his God character that loved the unlovely, healed the undeserving, and blessed those who were living under curses. His message is of our necessity of having a renewed mind and utter transformation in the way we think and act because of how he loved us without condition. Amen? Therefore, we take God's word as the supreme truth. I mean the supreme truth and authority of our lives and we endeavor to walk by faith in his holy word. What we believe. We believe that scripture is truly the word of God himself to us. Think about it. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word was God. How Therefore, must or should we reverence God's holy word and not just consider it a book to throw around? We believe that scripture is truly the word of God himself to us. It renews our minds, builds our faith, and reveals who God is to us. 
We hold fast to New Testament truth in our daily lives as Scripture reveals to us all God's gift of grace to us through Jesus Christ. We found in truth that God's word is anointed and that his anointings break all yokes of bondage. Therefore, we endeavor to preach and teach the true gospel as laid out by the apostles. We then move towards what his grace has made available to us. And by faith, we receive what God has promised us. Scripture says that God's people in the past were destroyed due to a lack of knowledge. We will not be those people. So the implementation of this is going to take place through expository teaching like we do, equipping people with the word of God, 2 Timothy 2.15, so that the word becomes the joy of our heart and a weapon in our hand. Again, please give us the benefit of the doubt. Any one of these quote-unquote that we're sharing here, you know, could be expanded to a book, like the next bit about the music, why we have such a strong vision for music and for sound. You know, we could write forever about any of these things. But again, these are headlines. Everybody say headlines. These are extended headlines. The music, part of our major, I mean, Julie and I cannot help. You know, you look back and you realize that whatever God brought you through, it was training. Something about it had training ground. Julie working for the Beatles, living in the south of France, being around the Rolling Stones, you know, my own sad involvement with professional musicians because, because of the drugs <laughs> and everything else that we carry. But just the DNA that he's, that he's wired in us about sound, um, we will not apologize for. We're after it. The music, without a doubt, music is an international language that all people seem to understand from birth through old age. It's proven that music creates atmospheres, not just because Lucy wrote a song about it, but it's proven, right, Lucy? You didn't write the book. No, you didn't. Actually, she got that from Julie and I anyhow, because we were telling all the time about music. So she, whatever she may say to you, she got it from us. Without a doubt, music is an international language that all people seem to understand from birth to real age. It is proven that music creates atmospheres wherever it's found. And isn't that the truth? I mean, it, it'll change a whole room. You just turn something on. You give it about 90 seconds. And... We've found that heaven's music released in our meetings brings the joy and truth of the Lord, his presence, and opens the door for his mighty word to be received and prevail. Julie and I, we were watching a, a miracle ministry a couple of days ago, and this incredible healings. I mean, and, uh, really just mind-blowing healings. And this guy that was ministering, uh, the, he, as he laid hands on this one woman, she just began, you know, to just start to stumbling and about to fall, but she just kept saying, you know, praise you, Jesus, praise you, Lord, praise you, Jesus, which isn't unusual. But he just, she kept saying that, and he, this guy is one of the most, I don't, I've, he's become my favorite man I've ever seen minister in miracles. But he just waits, and he's so aware. But he said something that really struck both of us. He said, it's okay, let her go. And he, he, didn't, he was trying to tell the issues, don't, don't right now. No, 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 leave her there. And just let her, she just kept doing that. Praise you, praise you, praise And he used a phrase that I hadn't heard before, the way he said it. He said, just let her alone. She's, hear what she's doing. She's talking or she's giving praise to Jesus. She's creating presence. That hit me. As she worships right now, she's creating presence. I think that's going to be more important to us in the future than we know. 
We found that heaven's music released in our meetings brings the joy and truth of the Lord, his presence, and opens the door for his mighty word to be received and prevailed. The Lord has told us that if we'd seek and find his music and his message, that he would do miracles in our midst. Therefore, we thank God for skillful musicians and singers that harvest the rhythms and the melodies of heaven and release them into our midst that we might experience his presence and his healing. But we desire more than just musicianship, but to see true psalmists raised up. As a church, we have a unique calling to this area of pursuing God's heart in music so that it may be released into a dark world. Say amen. From encountering the Lord through his music and message, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to flow in his desire which allows Jesus to be seen in us by the lost that they might be saved. Those outside the church need to experience the delivering power, the amazing grace, and the incredible joy of the Lord. What we believe that we believe that music, again, creates atmospheres and that when heaven's music is released, it brings the wealth of the kingdom with it. Joy, healings, peace, deliverance, restoration, and much more. As David played for King Saul, the music brought healing, deliverance, and peace of mind. Therefore, we are going to be a people of extravagant praise and worship. I said extravagant praise and worship. We believe he is worthy of everything we can offer to him and that worship is in our DNA. So we make time and are committed to truly worship in spirit and truth. We love great music and believe there's no end to the creativity that God has put inside of us. Our desire is to sing a new song to the Lord, to make space for the rhema, the prophetic song of the Lord, and to do so with excellence in our musical craft. Psalm 33.3 says, sing to him a new song, Play skillfully on the strings with a loud and joyful sound. Loud. So if you don't like loud, there are so many other churches. Hallelujah. Second Kings 3.15 is an incredibly powerful truth that we should know. And it's, again, it's part of the DNA of what we believe. Elijah said, now bring me a minstrel. Here's a, a true, solid, one billion percent authentic prophet of God. But the word from heaven doesn't just come automatically. And he releases this truth into, the, into earth for people down through the centuries to really comprehend. This prophet says, hmm, bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. God, help us really grasp that. May we never, ever forget and see, this is why we want you to take this. Again, we'll bring more so that you can take them home with you. But we want you to develop faith in this. What would happen if we're, again, in agreement, if we all come in here with the same mind, the same heart, believing that when, like, Kenny stands up this morning, or B, or I, or Lucy, whosoever, Angela, Ayana, that we actually release faith that while they play the hand of the Lord, the anointing of God will come upon all of us to bring the breakthrough that people so desperately need. See, we don't want to be just a spiritual hospital where you just come to be whole. 
See, this is where every church starts. So we want you to be whole because of those sick who are going to come in. Because we, in this time, in the dispensation of the body of Christ, remember, the attention has been taken off of the pulpit to a vast degree. It's not about Rod and Julie or any other minister being the only one to lay hands on people or pronounce freedom, pronounce deliverance, pronounce healing. It's upon every one of you. See, but some of you don't really get it yet, but it's supposed to be on every one of you. I said it's supposed to be upon every one of you. You know, God hath placed in the church different gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the church that they might do the work of the ministry. You are to be looking for people to lay hands on. You're to be looking to people to prophesy on. But first and foremost, you first must learn what God's word says about things like laying on of hands. You must carry the spirit of Christ that empowered that hand to have something in it. You hear what I'm trying to say? And that's part of what being in a teaching church means. The mission. Well, his mission remains to go into all the world. Hallelujah. And make disciples of all nations. God wants us to be life changers, finding the lonely, the confused, the lost, and the bewildered, and offer them the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's no other, all those other gods out there are false gods. Jesus Christ is the only way. I said Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Muhammad ain't going to get you there. Buddha's not going to get you there. Krishna ain't going to get you there. None of those are. Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the Father. No one, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's what he said. God wants us to be life changers, finding the lonely, the confused, the lost, and the bewildered, and offer them the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. His light shows up the fractures in our lives and then points the way to the healing of the soul. We want to do all we through all we can through any means to shine his light upon those who sit in darkness and who have no hope. We desire this to be at the forefront of each of our minds as we go about our daily walk in this world to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to model God's love to those we meet along the way. There are broken people everywhere who just need to be touched by the real love of God. Jesus Christ alone remains as the answer for the ills of this world. Acts 19.20 in the King James says, So mightily grew the word of the Lord and prevailed. And that's what we want to see here. And the word of the Lord is growing here. And the word of the Lord, where the word of the Lord continues to be preached, I'm telling you, it will prevail over any darkness. The Amplified Bible says, Thus the word of the Lord concerning the attainment through Christ of eternal salvation and the kingdom of God grew and spread and intensified, prevailing mightily. Hallelujah. And that's what's going to happen here. The three pillars. Now, this is something we do want to say thank you. When we met with Lucy and Bobby several months ago, probably over a year ago, when we first started talking about things like this, and I think between Lucy and Bobby, Angela, I forget, but they, Emmanuel, well, Emmanuel doesn't count, wherever he's at, he's... He's, out, he's outside eating a sandwich already probably by now. No, but the, came up, the idea was that they were, I think Lucy's the one that made the statement about what it means to, like, to rebrand something. Forgive me if I don't use the right terminology, but you know, to have the heart of what we believe 
put in simple form so that we can all take a hold of it, own it, own it, I said own it, so that we can see who are we. In other words, people say, what, where do you go to church? CCF. Well, what do they stand for? What do they do? Well, we preach Jesus, but what else? And they came up with these three statements that I really loved. It's simplicity, and it's just these three things. Love deep. Everybody say love deep. Live full. Dream big. We're going to have some more of those tall little poster things, whatever they're called up there. We want, and we're going to do some more of those because we want you to capture this. Where do you go to church? We go to CCF. What's it all about? It's about loving deep. It's about living full. It's about dreaming big because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has saved each and every one of us. Amen? So, see, I want this. I'm going to ordain that everybody, we're going to bring a tattoo artist in here and have this tattooed upon everybody's arms. Paul Watson, I think. Paul, you tattoo, right? You don't tattoo. Pardon? No, God already tattooed me on his hand, so I'm not having one. You're not having one? Just quite sure. Don't you? You need a mic. You got a mic. I told my okay, put your head on my shoulder, please. (laughs) Snuggle. (sighs) How long? Just excuse us for a moment. (laughs) You need some strength. (sighs) Love deep. Live full. Dream big. Okay. I want you to capture that because that's what we stand for. I said that's what we stand for. I want that to become part of your identification. If you consider yourself part of the church here, again, or if you feel that you want to become part of the church, then these are the things, the core values that we're going to hold fast to because it's what God has done in us. Love deep, coming in contact with the actual love of God, the unlimited, unconditional, soul-ripping love of God transforms you forever. You simply cannot remain the same once you actually experience this heaven-sent acceptance. And see, I, Julie and I, we long more than you could ever know for this to be a credible reality in each of your hearts. Because it is what changes everything forever. To actually just, it's so easy to quote. For years I could quote those scriptures about being accepted in the beloved. For years I could quote the verse about having received the spirit of adoption whereby my heart cries out of. But it's only after time. What I have learned, what I have learned in my experience with Christ is that when we're first introduced to Christianity, we think that a miracle or the way God works, we're always wanting something to be instant right now. God waves a magic wand and it happens. But if I've learned anything, I've learned truly that the strength and the blessing of God happens incrementally. In other words, little by little. In Exodus, all through scripture, says God led Israel by stages. And this is where so many of us have a problem. We faint in our mind because we want it now. But God demands faith of us, and it means being found faithful where you are right now. Then incrementally, little by little, the blessing, the strength of our faith gets stronger. We believe, we receive, we believe, we see, and we think it has to come instantly. Well, in the realm of the Spirit, I believe it does happen instantly, but there's still this warfare in the heavenlies. 
And that's where we understand it. It's through faith and patience that we receive the promises of God. Okay. Our God knows everything there is to know about us, every bump and wart, every wrong habit, every torment we put ourselves through, yet his love for us remains constant. This love never changes. Exposure to this love ultimately causes us to surrender finally to him, and we begin to know his incredible embrace, which in turn starts healing our many wounds. Only then can we turn to others and let this truth that has transformed our heart transform those God leads us to. Our heart is to plumb the depths of his love towards us that we might be living examples of this love to all we need. Live full. Jesus came that we might have abundant life, not a miserable life, not a mediocre life. Evan's desire is that we take full advantage of the sacrifice of Jesus and experience life to the max. God's had to deal with me. I refuse to come in second all the time. I said I refuse it. I refuse for you to always have to go through hell and back before you get free from something. And this is what God wants for us. He came to give us life and life more abundantly to the full till it overflows. And sometimes, again, the battle is in the mind, I guarantee you. But we, this is what we're going, this is what we're standing for, but what we need everybody to stand for. Life to the max. This will only happen as we release our faith in the redeeming power of Jesus, his death on the cross. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. It is written, Colossians 2.15, Ephesians 1.22. We must believe that the Holy Spirit gives us the everyday power to live a righteous and a godly life. This means that we can live full and free, being ever hopeful, ever loving, and ever growing in God. Therefore, we choose to live full. Hallelujah. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I choose to live full. Really, dream big. Well, hallelujah. That's on the front of all of our bulletins. We want to have you. this church. We want this church to be a place where you actually discover that you have the permission to dream and to dream big. Amen. Hell tries to suffocate you, destroy you. The spirit of Leviathan, that python spirit that's called in the Bible, wants to strangle the hope and the life out of you. But God wants you to dream and dream big. Hallelujah. We believe that God is good. I don't know if any of you do, but we believe that God is good and that he is on our side, Romans 8.30. We believe that he has created everyone with a hope-filled purpose and a future. You know, Jeremiah 29.11, I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. Plans to just mess your life up forever and do you dirty. Now, it's not what it says, is it? To give you a hope in the future, to have a certainty. We believe that God is a big God beyond our wildest imaginations. And that he wants us to dream big because he is with us. He delights in us. Man, we need to wake up to that. He loves it. He loves to play with you. Last week I said, what Tommy said about a little boy loving him. 
when he knows when he says amen that Tommy's about to tickle him? God, our Father, he wants to have a relationship where he can just sit with you and every once in a while just turn around and tickle your underarm, just make you go nuts laughing and crack it up. Because that's who he is. God bless the English. You can have a mic. Would you like, would you like to say that again? Turn that on quickly. Hello. He does love, God loves the English. Come on, say it together. God loves the English. And the Irish and the Welsh and the Scottish. We believe that God is a big God beyond our wildest imagination, that he wants us to dream big because he's with us and he delights in us and he loves to supply our every need as we step out in faith for him. We believe our God, and this is a big one to me and to Julie, we believe our God is still a creator. If you could, I wish, you know, if God would manifest himself, I don't know how to put this, and I know I'll look goofy doing it, but this is like, mm, 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 mm. There's creative juice coming out of him 24-7. <laughs> and if you start spending time with him in prayer, I'm telling you, listen to me. If you'll actually sincerely start spending time with him, that stuff will get off on you. Isn't that great? Creative juice will get all over you. You'll start new ideas, fresh thoughts, new songs, new prayer, new ways to get people free. Hallelujah. We believe our God is still a creator and that he longs to release the new into our lives, whether through new inventions, new music, new means of doing life. So we release faith for his ever-flowing creativity to be discovered in us. I want everybody to carry that when you walk in here. That's expectancy. I always talk about that. God's going to do something. I want, you know, we just, I believe God's going to do something new this morning. See, it's not up the rod. Don't sit out there and be, you know, just be somebody that walks in here as a consumer. <gasps> oh, I think I'll go to church, see what Rod has this Sunday. That's what a lot of people do. No, bless God, you're part of the ministry. You come in with your expectancy. We come in with our expectancy. It's about him. It's not about us. You do understand that, right? You do understand Rod Anderson, Julian, none of it. We don't have the power to heal a flea. You do have that, right? Right? Really? I know Mike Powell knows that. He looks at me often and says, Rod, you don't have the power. <laughs> Hallelujah. In reality, every success, every success in life begins with an idea, which is actually a dream that we allow to empower us toward a God-given goal. That's why we choose to dream big. Now then this core values within this, these three pillars, like I said, we could write so much and I even thought maybe I shouldn't even write this next part, but I just want us to catch it. Love deep. There are two aspects of our heart to love deep, one spiritual and one practical. From the spiritual aspect, we know that to truly love means to desire a closeness, a nearness to the one who is loved. I love my wife. I don't know if you know that or not. I have been very incredibly, I've been mightily blessed by God to have this woman by my side. I'm not saying that just for you to go, aw. But like I say, she knows every wart, every stupid thing about me. And I'm telling you, I've had, we've had, we're, you know, she's fire and I'm fire. So we've had hundreds of arguments. We really have. I mean, I'm not going to lie. 
But my God, the blessings and the good things and the positives outweigh any negative that we've ever, ever experienced, like five billion trillion light years per since. But I'm saying that to say, I like being near her. And for some reason, she likes, she is my best friend. And that's, that's important. But I'm just saying, that's the truth about real love. When you really love someone, you want to be near them. And I can tell all my stories many have heard about. When I first met Julie, I just, she'd be speaking somewhere across London. And I would just, by accident, an hour and a half, an hour and a half drive away. I would just, by accident, show up someplace she was speaking, and I would sit in the back and go, oh, well, I'm in this area, I may as well go in. Because, man, there was something about her that attracted me. Hallelujah. No, I'm sorry. Better get, I need to keep going, sorry. From the spiritual aspect, we know that to truly love means to desire a closeness, a nearness to the one who is loved. When you love, you naturally want to be near the one you love. Since our first love is to be God, since our first love needs to be God, the Father, our heart wants to be as close to him as possible, and this comes about only through the art of prayer when it's all said and done. If you will first, you know, we had to meet before closeness ever evolved. You have to meet. You have to be willing to be in proximity at least to the Father before closeness can begin to happen. You hear me? This is why this has to be a core value of all of our hearts here. Prayer, communing, just making the decision to spend time with him. I'm not, yes, yes indeed, it, it should, it could and it should build up to the point where you spend all, you know, an hour to a day, you know, before God. But remember, most people still labor under the miscomprehension that prayer is all about petitioning and crying out and asking God for a billion things. But really, when you really begin to know God, you discover that a lot about prayer is being quiet and just sitting and having a heart that just has learned how to totally be yielded to him where you're just, you have to exercise it. It takes, it takes time. I'm not, I don't want to start teaching on prayer, but you know, you have to exercise yourself toward God. And you know, your mind is going to think about this, what I have to do in two hours, but you learn to just set your affections on things above. And you think on heaven, you get childlike, and you think about how there's colors that have never been seen. You know, there's all this living water. You can't drown in living water. I can swim, swim under the water for five, six, seven hours if I want. You know, just you think on heaven. Anyhow, we desire to build and have a literal lifestyle of prayer. As all church history proves that great moves of God come from great moves of prayer and relationship with Almighty God. Therefore, a major part of our desire to love deep translates into praying fervently. And again, these things have to develop in us. We don't all start at the goal line. <clears throat> the practical aspect of our desire to love deep is displaying this love to all we come in contact with 
at church or anywhere else. We choose to love what God loves. We seek after God's heart so that we become more like him. First John says, what manner of love is this that we should be called the sons of God? Our prayer is that CCF members and visitors will be making a similar statement when among us, that they would say, what an amazing depth of love there is at this church. We will be authentic. We don't play church, but seek to be real with one another and with God because all things are naked and exposed to our God, Hebrews 4.13. Live full. Worship. We pray for breakthrough. We intercede. And we are a people of earnest and heartfelt prayer. We refuse to be a powerless church. Please say amen. Therefore, we earnestly covet the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Why? Because living full means living out the wonderful gift of life that came through Jesus Christ and taking advantage of his mighty gifts to us and in us. If you have the Holy Ghost, which I assume 98% of you do, you do realize all of those gifts are resident in you right now. It's just learning how to yield and learning how to hear and then just stepping out and obeying them because you don't do anything. It's the Holy Spirit that does the, does the work. So Jesus said that. We refuse wrong thinking. I said refuse it. We refuse wrong thinking. Therefore, we renew our minds to God's word and his will. We teach godly wisdom and truth and uphold the power and the authority of his word. Jesus said that he came that we might have abundant life, not just a mediocre life, but to the full till it overflows. We've made our choice to strengthen ourselves in the Lord continually and respect Jesus' sacrifice for us by living a good and a full life. Dreaming big. Oops, I'm sorry. Living full means offering back to God the praise and worship that only he deserves. Something wonderful happens to us when we worship him. We glorify him, and in turn, he strengthens us and empowers us to live a whole life, not just a half life. Our worship of him creates a heavenly atmosphere around us that changes our life circumstances for the good. Therefore, we choose to live full lives. Like I said, you know, it's hard not to want to start preaching on all this stuff. Dreaming big, fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. We remind ourselves of the goodness of God. We celebrate him and are full of thanks. We consistently remind ourselves that our God is a huge God with huge love and plans for us. Therefore, we say no to small thinking. Our God wants us to dream big because nothing is, nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible to them who truly believe. A primary way we keep good dreams alive is through our fellowship with like-minded believers. Boy, I tell you, if there's anything I've had to learn, you have to learn how to separate yourself from the doubters. Do you hear me? Do not fellowship with a bunch of doubters. Do not fellowship with a bunch of people that always say something negative about you and your giftings. Just find people to fellowship with that celebrate what God's doing in you. You hear what I'm saying? The primary way we keep good dreams alive is through a fellowship with like-minded believers. God's word still says to, quote, come out from among them 
which is speaking about unbelievers. That's why we choose to stay within the household of faith. Therefore, we intentionally seek out fellowship with those within our church who are reaching out for the Lord. We champion one another. Amen? And we believe and we pray into each other's dreams. We choose not to be around dream killers, but dream builders. We have permission to fail, though. Hallelujah. We all have permission to make mistakes, but we never condemn. I said we never condemn. We will build each other up. This is part of our mandate. We are going to build each other up because that's what God does. God always speaks. You've heard me preach it over and God always speaks to the good in you because what you speak to is what rises up in a person. So hallelujah, we choose to be a church that speaks to the good of people. That, therefore, there's no gossip here. Everybody say, look up to heaven and just say this with me. There's no gossip here. Now turn to your neighbor and just smile. Hallelujah. We have permission to fail and make mistakes, but we never condemn. We will build each other up. We will speak life to one another, always encouraging and reminding each other that absolutely nothing is impossible with our God. We will value this fellowship with our brothers and sisters for the worth that is in God's eyes. We choose to keep playing until we win. With God at our side, we will be open to receive God's dream for our lives. Hallelujah. And that's part of what any real church is supposed to do. It's supposed to, listen, where the gospel is truly preached, it awakens something God's already put in you. And it waters the seed that God's already put in you. And then it nurtures that seed as it begins to grow. Always building, always blessing, always encouraging. Even through the tough times, when there's drought, and when the sun tries to kill it, no, 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 you come there and you water it with the washing of the word. Amen? Anyhow, so that's, that's the core values. Now, Julie, babe, you put this yourself on. You want to just, this is something that uh, she wrote, but I just thought it would be better for her just to speak it. No, you go ahead. Well, you want to read it first? Read it and then okay. comment about it? Okay, oh, so yeah. I got this the other day up at the barn. You know, we've always been aware, and you can read it on here, that God chose a coming together of believers on a regular basis. In other words, something happens Sunday morning, our faith just gets a real injection. It's like we go into overdrive, if you like, to be the foundation for the growth of his body because I know you get around other people and they just inject faith because they have been told by God to see you in the spirit or for whatever reason. But it does something corporately. So I want to talk a bit about the corporateness of the church because we call... We call church what God has intended in the Hebrew. The followers of Jesus called it kahila. And we're learning more about the Hebraic because God thinks as a Hebraic, a congregation or a community that met house to house. You know, and I want to say something we heard. I forget who said it. But culture will eat your vision for lunch. So we can share this vision but you're the ones to adopt the culture. This church has a developing culture, and it's getting stronger and stronger. And, and it's becoming a community, if you like. It has attracted people who are creative and this kind of thing. Anyway, let me stick to this and read this. So God, it's a God-intended thing for us to meet 
to have a regular time to come and worship together and hear the word of God and to worship and pray. So it's not an issue about, oh, I can't drag myself up again Sunday morning. I need to see, oh, or I'm too old. We have so many things that go on. Oh, not that CCF thing again where I've got to have a party Sunday morning. Yeah, you know you're supposed to do it every day. And we're helping you grow and teaching you how to do this every day. So can we put the next bit up? Read it from here. For the past eight years that we have pastored CCF in London, in addition to directing the Prayer Foundation, which was formerly Prayer for the Nations, which is what, how God used Rod and I to teach prayer, to help with prayer. The CCF was founded by Ed and Laurie Hornback in the late 80s. And today meets, we meet, as you know, some of you don't know, but we meet in different venues that God provides through George Hammer. Let's just pray for George. Father, wherever he is right now, we bless him. We bless him with your thoughts, your spirit, and we thank you, Father. He may not be in the kingdom in our eyes, but we pray he's in the kingdom and he hears from you and he's led by you. And things go well in Jesus' name. Amen. So always remember to bless him because he's got some deal with the Anglican church or the diocese. But anyway, several years ago, I was asking the Lord how I could serve because I used to, I know God called me back here to pray. And so I was a bit shocked. I couldn't find much prayer in 1983 on September the 15th when I came back. I found Rod or Rod found me, whatever. But um, we found each other. But we prayed. <laughs> I never know whether I'm supposed to mother him sometimes. Well, you do. <laughs> okay. But Dr. Cole, thank God, came as an answer prayer. Anyway, several years ago, read the scripture. <laughs> we just who we are. Several years ago, I was asking the Lord how I could serve to move London forward strategically and spiritually. Because I used, you know, I do, I love London, I love England with all of my heart. But I sometimes think they're locked in and, and should I even continue to gather people? It's a lot of work. Sunday morning, we have a lot of help, thank God for you all. But it was a lot of work gathering people and, and moving them out into worship. So anyway, I'm... Are you doing this with me, John? <laughs> Catch up, thank you. I'm here. At the time, we had hosted yearly prayer summits and weekly prayer schools. And we gathered even for the Call England because we took the nation on in Reading Football Stadium. And I didn't want to do any of that. I was like, God, you must be joking. But actually, God has handpicked you. And where you've overcome certain things, he will use you. And I used to see in those days how the black churches were meeting and fasting. They were praying hard. They were interceding. And the white churches were growing more and more isolated, even though they were acting nobly and strong in their faith. It was much, much worse, you know, 20 years ago. We all needed to be one church. It wasn't a black church or a white church. It's the church. Come on. Thank you. And thank you all for mingling with each other because you don't look at each other in heaven like male or female or black or white. You look at each other as my brother and sister. You're a family. So you are God's family. You're part of God's family. And God immediately began to talk to me. And he said, I'm looking for warriors of love who will be worshippers in war. 
Warriors of love means you don't care who does what, you just love. Thank God we get whatever God wants done in here. Amen? So anyway, each month, most Sundays, Rod teaches faith in God's word, and he began his teaching with the love walk. So when you walk into CCF, you feel the love. You know. You do. You feel the love. Like I said, we love each other. We don't necessarily like we're working on that part, but we love each other. We've forgiven each other. You know, I'm different to you and you're different to me, but we're all covenant to God. So often on the first Sunday, I give a word from God and we're just praying because next Sunday is Easter Sunday, so it may be better for Rod to minister. But anyway, I believe that we need to align with the Hebraic calendar because they looked up at the sky and they saw, oh, the moon is a new moon. It's a new season. And so we're coming into this season. And I write a thing in our, what do we call this, the bulletin, the announcements. Everybody has a different opinion of what we call it. But anyway, you'll find one of these so you can give it to somebody else and you can find out what to do. But as we all begin, each of us begins to act and think more like God personally, Monday to Saturday, corporately when we come together, there's a greater heavenly blessing that comes. Psalm 133 says, what, when we dwell together in unity... We come expecting, I expect heaven to pour itself out. So as we gather and we find ourselves with warriors in worship, and we have some amazing worship, we thank God for every one of you, all with your different impetus. Thank God. Go home and sing those songs and buy the CDs and take them. We're getting there. Don't get frustrated with us. We're getting there because the messages that God has given us of overcoming and being victorious, he's looking for his victorious believers. And turn to the person next to you and say, I am a victorious believer. I am a victorious believer. <laughs> you definitely are. <laughs> so, many other creatives have been drawn to us each week to learn God's word. When you learn the word, you come into a new place because you say, okay, my husband's in the hospital. The doctors have said he's got so many months to live. But God says... And you start pushing, and the devil starts screaming in your ear, and you make a decision. I'm not listening to you. Shut it up. You know, get behind me. I'm going to keep going, and you keep going. It's hard not to preach up here. <laughs> Many other creatives have been drawn to us anyway. So we're having throne room encounters. So a barrister, a lawyer takes years to learn about the legalities. I said it to us this morning in prayer. We pray in the back room before the service. But, you know, learn the protocol of the throne room and spend more time in the throne room. Then do you want to speak to Chosen? Sure. Okay. Yeah, so just we're just coming to the end of this, and we're going to ask some others to come up. But, indeed, we do want you to understand that as a church and as the prayer foundation, you cannot. Julie and I are the prayer foundation as well. You know, we're both. And some people say, well, you better be single-minded. We are single-minded. We're both. You hear me? Something Jane Hammond prophesied over us all those years ago about another area. He, she said, you, you keep bouncing back and forth. This was about California and back in here. But she said, you know, you, we hadn't said anything to her. But, you know, we were ministering then like five months out of the year in America, East Coast to West Coast, from church invitations all the time. That's why we did not want, that's why we did not really want to pastor a church. I didn't think I would ever, ever ever pastor church. I was too busy enjoying going, living in America five, six months of every year. Hallelujah. Getting back to the sun where God lives. 
Hallelujah. You know what I mean? Well, some of you know what I mean because you've been over there with us a lot, seen our friends over there. But anyhow, God had another plan. But anyhow, so part of the, we, we want, as a church, we don't want people to be uh, double-minded about this. This chosen event that we do every year is part and parcel of our DNA as well. It's a place where we get to expose others to some of the DNA that we do carry. And again, we are harvesting more people. Every year it does grow. And every year God is adding more blessing. And more and stuff, more things are exploding. And even like in the music room, like we said, I thought it was so supernatural last year when Eska just stood up. Eska is amazing how she said it. She said, Chosen is amazing. She said, it's like you can just lift your hand up and just pull songs instantly out of the atmosphere because of the faith that's there and what's going on. But anyhow, so we just wrote this. Chosen is our yearly gathering for the whole family for just a few days away from London. And we know it takes effort, but I'm telling you, those who come, say they know it's worth it. They know what takes place. Chosen is our yearly gathering for the whole family for a few days away from London as we establish this time where clarity and heart changes occur. And then what still has to really develop, and like I said, we're still in the baby-like area in some of these things. We still have this heart for Chosen Live, where there's like the third Sunday of every month, you know, in the evening, that we have like a concert or we have prayer. But we have music and prayer. It's the music is intended to release prayer. And again, that's something, just be in prayer with us about that, okay? Because it hasn't evolved like we want to yet, but again, it's going to come because it's part of who we are. We ha- because we only have this building or a building once a month, we want to take advantage of having it. And therefore, on Sunday after- Sunday evenings, at least once a month, we still want to see things happen there. We want to see groups come together, friends and what have you, you know, music or, ac- or acting or creativity, something where it can be released for the public to come to. So as we pastor the CCF congregation, in, a, in addition to directing the prayer foundation, our calling is clear to help God's people grow and give them permission to dream and, again, to live full, to love deep, and to dream big. Hallelujah. There's nothing impossible to God, so we continue to pray for London and its welfare and the nations because that's part of the scripture. It says, if you will seek the welfare of the city to which I've sent you, you will find your welfare within that city. So this is, now we're just finishing. So how do we accomplish these goals? And again, there's so much more than just this here. But as far as the mission, we do this right now. Like I said, we're growing. Everybody say we're growing. There's a whole lot more. Listen, when we get to about 175, 180 people, again, things change by, by, you know, on the scripture, there's this phrase used over and over again. When you approach God by right of necessity and on the authority of God's word. Hear that phrase? by right of necessity and on authority of God's word. Things happen when by right of necessity, by right of necessity, changes have to happen. So as we get, as we do get bigger, and I, I, I'm not, and see, we're, we want big people. We're not worried about a big church. So we want to make sure that's clear. But again, with all the humility I can muster, I know personally I've heard it said by so many around this nation. My, I've been here 34 years now. Next Sunday, like I said, will be my 35th anniversary here. All, you know, there are very few teaching churches. That's all. We're in the three percentile. And that isn't something where we're going, we're in the three percentile. No, 
on the, it's the other side of the coin. We carry a great responsibility to really have a mature people that have comprehension and understanding of how the kingdom works so that you can go out and infect people everywhere you go. And at the risk of bringing something that sounds dark, again, you've heard me say, because of what's ahead of us, as far as what God's word said about the world growing darker, we will be used by God, by his grace only, and in all humility, to be a safe landing place for all manner of people because of what's going to happen in the earth. And again, you may not understand all that right now, but it's like Jesus said, if you hang around, you will understand. So right now, the message, how do we accomplish these, goes through sermons, Sunday sermons, blogs that are non-existent at the moment. <laughs> Whoop, what happened? John, go back. I command you now. Father, forgive John. Sunday sermons, blogs, newsletters, again, things that we're about to do, Skype, prayer, the chosen camp, the California Jubilee Church conferences, and other outreaches. In other words, the mission itself about taking God's word out there. And the music right now, as it goes, goes to the next one, John. The, as simple as the sounds of worship rehearsal, the Sunday worship, the chosen live, that we're working on recordings of worship, and the harvesting of other musicians. Now, and that's a strong one for me. Again, you could add a lot of other things. Like I said, give us the benefit of the doubt, please. We know there's so much more that can be added to this. But I tell you, because of what we do carry, the DNA as far as music, those of us that have been here for a while and those of us, well, like Amanda, all of us that have talked and been around, you know, we, I, we know, I mean, my God, how many incredibly gifted, talented Musicians are in this city who have a basic knowledge. They've been brought up in church or what have you like that, but they don't really have a place where a pastor can celebrate that and help build that and help sow into that through the community of faith that we possess. And so we, I'm telling you, there's going to be an incredibly part of what's going to happen here is there's going to be an incredibly great harvest of musicians and creatives of all forms. Because they need a place, like Dave Marquis and I used to talk about years ago, Dave always put it this way, he said, there needs to be a father, and boy, man, please don't hear me, I'm not saying I'm that, I mean, I carry some of it, but you know what, he said, there's, there needs, there's no real father of musicians in this nation. Hmm? Yeah, Dave, yeah, but anyhow, so I'm just saying, so that's, for whatever, I know that we'll be used in that way in some shape or form. Not Maybe I won't, but I believe there'll be people within our worship team that will, really will be suddenly thrust into God's heart as being fathers for the music community. Anyhow, and then the mission itself happens through willing people, faithful people, praying people, sacrificial people, committed people, and just flat out people. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is it in a nutshell. And the last one, hallelujah, and I'm going to start inviting people up. And I put this. If this feels good in your spirit, have to, we'd love to have you with us on this incredible journey of faith until he comes again. Hallelujah. And I just put this quote by John Wesley up because it struck me uh, a year or so back. John Wesley said, I continue to dream and to pray about a revival of holiness in our day. 
that moves forth in mission and creates authentic community in which each person can be released through the empowerment of the Spirit to fulfill God's creational intention. That's a heavy quote. And that's our prayer too. So, my friends, that's who we are. That's what I carry in my heart. This is what Judy carries in her heart about this church. And I really mean this. So what, you know, like I said, I'll bring a whole lot more copies of these. If, you're, if you feel like you're part of the church already, we thank God for you. But we want you to know that there are others who, I hope you don't misunderstand this, they need to be here because this is their DNA. But they won't get here unless you carry the message to them. Sorry, this is why we invite friends. But anyhow, this is who we are, and we really do want you to take this away, pray about it some more. And we are inviting you afresh to say, you know what? This bears witness with my spirit, even if it's just for this season of my life. This bears witness as something I can buy into. Are you hearing me? Anybody still there? This bears witness to my spirit, and this is something I'd like to work with, with my family, with my life, my commitment, my finance, my all of it, my prayer, okay? So praise God, hallelujah, thank you very much for listening to this, amen? Now, everyone, give the Lord a hand. Um, like I said, I've, I've asked uh, some of our people that are already here to just come up. And I've said just to share like about five minutes, um, about, which is almost impossible to do for different areas. But Deji, why don't you come on up first? Because Deji uh, is an elder of the church. Tina, you can come up with him if you, if you like. But, of course, Deji actually is not only an elder, he and Tina, but they have a house group. But Deji technically is the guy that oversees the house groups. And like I said, this is, a, this is something where we're going to set a greater goal to, uh, to build and what have you. But I just want him to share because we know that Deji and Tina are in agreement with what we've been reading. Now we're just going to sit here while they do this, if you don't mind. Okay, I've only got five minutes. But the first thing I'd like to say is, Wow. Yeah. Thank you. I think it's it's a beautiful vision. Okay. And um, when I think of the house groups, this is something that needs to be promoted. The detail, acted out, lived, really um, embedded in you guys. Okay. Um, so what what about house groups? I had a little think about this and a little pray about this. And the first thing I came up with was, how can we love one another as Jesus loved his disciples unless there is an environment in which relationships can develop? Okay. Um, John 13, 34. Um, and this is, that's really a key one. Developing good, strong relationships. Godly relationships. Yeah. Edifying one another bringing people closer to the word and explaining the word. These are key things. We believe that house groups are the best facility to really do this on a daily basis. 
It's a place where you can love one another, exhort one another, speak to one another, and I mean really speak, honor one another, receive one another, watch over and care for one another, just like the Bible instructs us to do. Again, it's a big mandate, but it's important. Proverbs 27:17 says this, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Yeah. I love that scripture. So these relationships are not to be casual. They're to be built up strong relationships that support each other in times of need. Okay? Now, when you have a good, strong relationship amongst your brethren, it matures you and it makes you a committed disciple, which is what Jesus wants. He wants us to be committed, strong together. And when you become committed, you're effective in things like evangelism, witnessing, and the other tasks that the Lord leads you to do. In the home groups, it's important to understand what people are called to do. Okay, talk to them, say, what is, what's your personal vision? What's your destiny? Support them and pray into it. Okay? Right, so a few facets of a home group, quickly. The welcome, godly hospitality. We have to take a great amount of responsibility for this. I mean, really finding out what people are doing and what they're going through. Welcoming them intensely, having new visitors. Most of the home groups are in a home. There are, there's a next door on one side and the next door on another side and there's guys across the road. They probably wonder every time cars show up or lots of people show up to your home. It's about inviting new people as well. Yeah, taking the risk. Somebody might say yes, somebody might say no. But loving them in your neighborhood. Okay. Equipping of the saints and developing individual members. Again, I look at Colossians 1.28. Whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. It is such a ground for teaching and bringing people up in the Lord. But that also means accountability as well. It's a place where we can show grace to people in a group, but also confront painful truths. If someone is little bit to the left of the word or a little bit to the right of the word we need to encourage them back with grace and with love but point out what the word says it is a responsibility and it's key when you have close relationships in a home group so second timothy three sixteen says all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness. Yeah, so there we have it. And then testimonies. Again, massive. We need to share testimonies. We need to explain what happened from the gory beginning to the glorious end. It builds faith. And this is an excellent place to do that. Prayer support. Probably the most important in a home group. People need prayer personal prayer corporate prayer is brilliant but personal prayer you know when you sharpen a home group jesus is there 
spirit of God is there. Where two or three are gathered, there he will be. Coming into agreement is powerful in a home group. Um, we've had quite a few testimonies in our own home group where we get around somebody who's going through something. We say, right, let's agree. And God does it. Um, and then a little bit on counseling. The sort of counseling that we are called to do is not to sit with people and just cry with them without bringing a solution. And it's not to bring the solution of the world. It is to guide them back to Jesus. Whatever the problem is, he is a solution. It is the key. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God speaks, is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breadth of life, soul, and immortal spirit of the joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. The Holy Spirit has the solution, whatever the problem, and we need to use the Holy Spirit. And this is the kind of counseling that we do in this church. Okay? Now, I know there are many who are counselors called to do it, working through it, but this is the one that I believe the Lord wants us to really point to rather than earthly measures. Now, I'll leave it there on the counseling one. Is there anything you want to say? Okay. Now, also, I know that um, we have safeguarding. Tina leads safeguarding. I don't know whether you want to say a quick word. Um, okay. So, um, we've only got one more minute. So, I just really wanted to say that in terms of safeguarding, again, all that we do in this church is guided by the word. So, we apply godly counsel and godly wisdom. And so when we talk about safeguarding, what we do know, though, as a church, especially if we're going to be you know, welcoming and receiving the multitudes from out there, and which we are, it's going to happen, because we're now really raring to go, and we've come into that season. There are going to be individuals who are going to find themselves in circumstances that does require us to follow safeguarding principles. And, but this is not the time to talk about that. Um, I will you know, be following on from the great work that Hasna has done previously and building on that so that we are really clear about how we address those issues that actually there are also practical support to address. Okay, do you want me to speak a bit about S.H.I.E.L.D.? Okay, um, just a quick one on the shield. Um, what I really want to say about that is that it's not just about security, okay? The name shield talks about shielding you from certain things. One of the things that we do is that we look at the people that are coming in. We are the guys who welcome the people at the, at the back, okay? Yeah. And that's not a joke. A lot of the times... We will ask the Holy Spirit, is this person okay? Okay, we live in evil days, and we are the lookout amongst you. Our job is to make sure when you come in, we welcome you and get you as quickly as possible into that place of worship. We know a lot of people go through a lot of stuff, and they're not coming in the right frame of mind often. And a hug 
and a hello and a smile and a joke helps a great deal. But then you need to get into the worship. And part of shield is to bring order in the church, discipline. When it comes to the presence of God, it is a precious time. And we are going to really increase how we securely allow you to enjoy that without the distractions of noise, etc., etc. Okay? And that's what I'm going to say on that one. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Abby is going to come up. But Abby, just share a bit about, about what this prayer thing is all about, okay? Okay. Um, very briefly. We've heard the vision. Prayer actually is the thread of the whole vision. For the vision to come together, there has to be prayer. Um, nothing just happens. Yeah, God says, ask and you'll receive. And um, prophetic words come, you need to pray them into being. Pray them until they're in your hands. Um, when I was asking the Lord where we go in terms of prayer, the one scripture that came to me was Revelation 1.6. And he has made us kings and priests unto his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Each one of us is a priest unto the Lord. Priests minister unto the Lord. Priests get to know the Lord. You were talking about knowing the Lord. And, you know, one of the things that God has said is, you need to know him on a one-on-one -on -one basis. That I cannot emphasize enough. And that's prayer. Prayer is you and God talking. You and God communing. You have to be a priest unto the Lord. Minister unto him. Sing to him. Let him sing to you. Talk to him. Let him talk back to you. All right? That has to up in every single individual's life. And we need to be able to do it corporately now. Corporate prayer has to come into being. We have to pray together. So, you know, um, yeah, I, it will develop. It will come. We have to. Yeah, and we minister together unto the Lord. We hear from the Lord together. We write down every word he gives us so that you pray. Don't let one word from the Lord drop. We're in the new season with a vision. We have a vision. It, we have to hold on to every single word he gives us. Um, why do we minister? Why do we come into a place where we know him and hear him? Because he has also called you to be kings. Kings make decrees. Kings make declarations. You go, you hear. Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying over this? Okay, we've heard the vision, but you need, you know, it's going to be broken down in blocks for every day. And you need to know what decrees and declarations you need to make. And he will show you what they are. We'll make individual declarations for your dreams. We, you have permission to dream. You have to have declarations over your life. You have to have decrees that the Lord has given you. And we have to have corporate declarations and decrees. So you're a priest, you're a king. And you know what? I see going forward, um, there has to be a, a lot more interaction. Like, okay, the word comes forth. The message comes forth. Yes? Sometimes it's something to do with our lives in terms of, you know, um, we talked about love being the foundation. There'll be things that the Lord is saying, hey, 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 we need to see this in your life. Prayer, yes, worship will sing forth. 
Worship will hear the message. Worship will proclaim it in song, not just for us, for outside. And prayer also, you need to take that message and pray it through. So there has to be an interaction between the worship. And you see, whatever message you hear is what you're taking out on your mission. So there has to be greater interaction. Prayer, the worship, the message, you know, everything. It's, it's going to be a greater. I, I see it so. And, you know, I'm not going to stop this without saying a greater emphasis on our relationship with Israel. We have to understand, as I was saying this morning, <laughs> look at the whole, which other nation on earth has its destiny written clearly as Israel? God's given us an example. And you know, whatever you see him say about Israel, you can, you, you, you can um, tap into that for our nation. If God seeks the welfare of Israel, he seeks it for, and he says, he's causing us to be one new man. And he says, through you, Israel, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. We want our nation to be blessed. We have to align with Israel. All right. And in doing so, he's going like, you know, um, Pastor Julie was talking about the months and, you know, understanding what each Hebraic month is. There's a message. If you read the scriptures, there's a message for each month in scripture. You go back, you look into that month. What happened in that month? What did God say in that? It's, he, he, it's the same for us today. There's a progression with each month. There's a word for each month. Yes. And there's a word for every feast that he, he instituted. Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles. There are blessings as we understand those feasts and what they mean. Next week is Passover. It coincides with Easter. It's, it's not a coincidence. God knows what he's doing. Passover is a, a, a time of complete deliverance. Complete deliverance from, he brought them out of Egypt. We have to understand what is he saying when these feasts come up? All right. And you pray these things into being. When he gives you an understanding, you need to pray them until you see them happen. Yes. We, and, and Pentecost, it's, it's, it's where the word is magnified and where, you know, there's, there's blessings in your harvest. And tabernacles is such a celebration of the Lord Jesus. All right. So. I feel that, you know, in going forward, these things need to be incorporated in terms of our praying and our understanding. Um, yeah, I will. <laughs> we could go on forever. but And also praying to see uh, the gifts of the spirit in manifestation in this church. More giftings. We need to pray till we see those giftings manifested. And that's you know, where I feel that these are some of the things on my heart for as we go in the vision. Thank you, Abby. Amen. And like I said again, these, um, these, are, these aren't just headlines, but we're wanting to give you a little scope. Tommy, come on up. Children's shirts, I thank God for Tommy. My God, thank God again for having a... <clears throat> A children's pastor who actually loves the children and who knows the grace of God. Tommy, share a couple of minutes. 
Okay, I just wrote um, a few points down uh, concerning the children's ministry. Um, the first point I put down that is that every child, by the time they leave children's church, believe and have a conviction of who Jesus is. So for me, uh, you know, it's, it's not just about teaching, but actually the boys and girls, when they come to children's church, and by the time they actually leave, that these boys and girls are born again. Um, that means a lot to me, because especially as they go into um, secondary school, and also I just believe that we're just building a foundation for youth group. And I believe if children are born again, and then they go into youth group, their total mindset about how they receive the word of God at that level in some ways is going to be a lot easier. So we are, we, we are, that's what one of my aims uh, within that. I'm just going to keep them brief and simple, to be honest with you, but I just want to do it that way. Um, the second one is that the Lord will bring to the church the brokenhearted. This may come in the form of uh, married couples or single parents. And what I mean by that is that it's always been my desire to see the brokenhearted families come through the doors. Um, you know, I want to see the married couples to come through the doors where their, their marriage is in a mess so that they get, um, you know, that they get healed, that their marriages be healed. And while their marriage is being healed and it's been dealt with, that we can speak into the lives of the children because it does affect children as well. But also for single parents, and this can be men and women, I was I'm part of a single parent in the sense that I grew up with my dad. And uh, my mum and dad, they broke up when I was 10 years old. I didn't have no church or anything like this. So for me, I believe it's important that God brings in the single parent so that the kids are part of that, that these kids can experience what it, the love of God, the fatherhood of God, that they can experience the affirmation of God, the affirmation and the presence of Jesus, so that when they are outside, they don't have to look for it in other places. But they have that inner affirmation on the inside of who Jesus is so that they can they, they just can experience, experience that um, thirdly I put down uh, I put this I put character over gifting and I explained this to you I put their gift their gift and this is the children may make room for them but it is the character of Jesus in them which will keep them and protect them it's about building a foundation of the fruit of the spirit in the lives of the children first See, I've got nothing wrong with kids' gifts. I want our children, and any child that comes through these, these doors, for their gift to be built. But the thing that's going to keep that gift staying strong is the character of Jesus inside them. And we know that for our own personal experiences, it's the character of Jesus that keeps us, not our gifting. You know, your gift will make room for you. But the thing that's going to save you is God's character in you. And that's more important to me. I'm really strong on that. And I tell you, I'm saying this to parents as well, because I believe as parents, right, my role and the role of children's ministry is to make your lives easy. That's what it is. And what I mean by that is, is that when your children leave these four walls, right, that because we're teaching them the word of God and they're being changed by Christ and the character of Christ is in them, they don't give you a hard time at home. Or they don't give school a hard time. But they progress... And they become what they're supposed to be. And as a children's ministry, our role is to support you, to support your children, and to bring the love of God into every situation that, so that we see the fruit of Jesus in them. And I can definitely say with the team that I've got and what we've done, we've had situations like that where we, we come alongside you as parents 
and we just put our arms around you. We love you. We love your kids. And we see Jesus start coming through the children. And we see them starting to change. So I'm not got nothing against gifts. I want our kids to be gifts. I want to encourage their gifts. But first and foremost, I want to see the character of Jesus flowing through them and the fruit of the Spirit. I've got two more points. Um, fourthly, children being confident outside church. I always tell the children that when they leave children's church, that's when it matters. In other words, this, right? It's not enough to let, have some child learn a Bible verse and have it in their head. It has to be something that goes into their heart. Because when they leave the four walls of children's church, right, and they go outside there and they start mixing with people that are unsaved, either kids that are unsaved, people unsaved, teachers are unsaved, or different situations, family members are unsaved, they have to have the foundation of the Word of God in their lives. Because that's when it matters. And I say this to the boys because I let your parents know, you know what, the kids that you hang out in children's church, they're going to be nice to you. And it's easy to be nice and be really sweet in, in, uh, in church. It's easy to put up, you know, hug, kiss, cuddle and give high fives. But when you go outside the four worlds of church, how are you going to behave and how are you going to be? And are you going to be strong? And I want our boys and girls to be strong and confident. I want our boys and girls, right, that when they go outside there and when they hear some nonsense, what does not agree with the word of God, that they can say, that's not what the word of God says. That if their teacher teaches them something that's nonsense in their school, they may not just stick their hand up and say, they may do teach, I don't agree with you. But they're not going to accept that. And they've got that confidence within them, right? that they can stand out different from all the other boys and girls. And when the teachers and people say, what is different about them, Dad? They would say, you know what it is? It's Jesus. And they're confident about that. I want confident children to be like that. And I believe that is what children's ministry is, um, is about. Uh, and then lastly, my team. I wrote this down. I always tell my team that I'm not interested in their gift, but I'm interested in them. And what I mean by that, no one in my, not in my, but in children's ministry is a number or just someone that's put on a rotor. What I'm more interested in is their heart and more interested in them and that they're in a place where they are spiritually able to teach the boys and girls at that time. And I always tell to the team, and they can, they, they can, I'm sure they can validate this, if they don't feel like they're ready to teach on that Sunday, then don't teach because for me, I'd rather them be in a place where they can give out. If they need to receive then I want them to be in a place where they receive. Because I'm more important, because what, you know what, it's more important about them than what they do. Gifts will develop, but you've got the heart for it, you haven't. It's like Marmite, you either like it or you don't. And for me, that's what it is about whatever. And that's the aspect that goes in any area that you're in. So I'm more interested in the person than what they offer to children's ministry or, or what they do. So in the short and sweet people, that's what, I want to see, and there's other things, but I have to just trust the five things the Lord gave me, and the others will come. But one other thing I want to put in this is I want uh, something I need to do, and this is my responsibility, is that I need to invest into the people that I've got in the team, and that comes down to teaching and training. And I feel that's something I've not really done well at, and that's what I want to change. So we're going to go forward and grow, because I don't want my team just to be helpers. I want every one of them in there to be leaders. So if someone doesn't turn up, they can step in and, and replace and, and, and do the disciple work they're supposed to do. Thanks, Tommy. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, you've got to understand, Julie and I are so proud of every one of these people, to say the least. I mean, you know... Thank God, man. I want my kids under somebody like this. 
Chris, come on up. I also want our youth under somebody like Chris and Emma, because I know what they stand for. Come on up. Emma, you want to come up? Is she here? Come on, Emma, quickly. You're the, you're the incredibly, you're the most definitely, you're the lovely part of this duo. Hi guys, um, we will make this quick. Um, we just wanted to, I just wanted to firstly Hello. just say that um, we absolutely love, 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 love your youth. Um, we love the young people in this church and um, they're amazing. They really are. And I know we say this often, but I just wanted to really just highlight that and say um, we've loved youth. We've had a passion for youth and it's not just we love young people and want to be around them, but we feel that we are called to um, minister and to teach the youth and we've had that heart since we were young and um, we just want to kind of reiterate that like we we love spending time with them we really have enjoyed over the last couple of years that we've kind of been in this ministry as leaders getting to know each and every one of them individually um, getting to know their personalities getting to know who they are what they've got what they do in in school what their person you know who they are just kind of like just individually, you know, their families, their struggles, their joys, their loves. We really, really, really enjoy that part of them. And we just want to want you to kind of have that comfort to know that, you know, each time they come, each week they come, we know them. We know who they are and we love them and we enjoy that getting to know them. And that's kind of just part of that. And I just want Kristen to share our vision for the youth. So that was just my little part. Oh, got one. Um, so the vision going forward in order to understand where you're going forward in the future you always have to recognize and remember where you came from you have to remember your past the pastor Julie correctly talked about my parents founded the church in the 80s there's another thing that was founded in the 80s other than just the church service CCF where we go and that was the youth ministry it has its own life and it's always had its own life in this church um, from my mom from auntie Karen to Hasna to now us um, the amount of young people who have been impacted and touched by the youth ministry in this church is in its hundreds, is in its thousands, really. And they live all over the world now. Um, so just to be a bit math, gospel of Matthew, to begin this vision, um, I'm just going to quickly call out the names of the people I know have actually grown and been supported and developed in this house as young people. Um, so the, the CCF youth alumni are Jennifer... Leslie, Denise, Deborah, David, Dominic, myself, Nathan Thomas. Stand up, guys. Please, stand up. How about in the last two years, we've seen graduates come from our, from our uh, youth ministry. Matthew, Jacob, Nathaniel, who's in Israel, Sarah, Antonia. Get up. Yeah. Hey, don't sit down. Stand up. Stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and even now you might wonder, oh, what, what's the young people doing now? They're all interested in social media. I've got words for you. Our youth know Jesus. Our youth absolutely have a personal revelation of who Jesus is. So Mark, Micah, Kieran, Reese, Joshua Huggins, Joshua Kobe, Jackson, Julian, Tommy, Jessica, Jemima, Crystal, Karen, Rebecca, Sophia, Nana, Miriam, Molly. Guys, if you hear your name, please stand up. I want to see your names. I want to see your faces. Uh, Miriam, Molly, like, 
Please look around and understand that there is an amazing anointing amongst our young people. And we talk about getting to 180 or 200 people within our family, within our church. We talk about how we reach out in our local communities. Well, we talk about having a father of the worship, like worship fathers. Like we carry it, we experience, and we practice those ministries through our young people and let them see grow. And those giftings that we're hungering for, those giftings we want to see, yes, they can come in through the front door, but they can also be grown right here. They can also be grown right here. So now you guys are um, So thank you. Uh, so it's hard to imagine. Um, we've been in place now for just two years. It's been a real incredible time we've had with the young people. Our love for your young people has only grown. Our prayers and understanding of their needs um, have become more focused, and I can truly say it's been an adventure. Uh, it, from camp to camp, from service to service, and now knowing the youth um, are even reaching out beyond this building, beyond the, even our, our communities and in different countries is so encouraging. So the scripture that comes to mind is in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Um, so it's continually rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you were taught and overflowing in thankfulness. So when Emma and I were talking about the vision, we had three words that came to us. The first one was rooted. To be rooted on fer uh, solid, fertile land, it takes time. Seeds do not sprout roots overnight. It takes time and good conditions to allow the seed to grow. It takes the sun, the living water, and consistency and faithfulness. With Christ's love, Christ's word, with our love and the church's love, um, uh, yeah. Um, so I believe that we can call this church is good soil. This church is good soil that our youth can grow in, they can take root in, and they can allow their spirits to mature over time. We envision a youth movement that will grow, that stays, and shares and then is released when it's fully equipped you know um, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his boundless might put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand up against the schemes and strategies and the deceits of the devil in Ephesians 6 11, 10 and 11 and what it said there was be equipped so we talked about being rooted in who you are being rooted in your faith having a personal relationship with Jesus but then comes on the being equipped in equipping um, your generation, so I'm talking to you guys now, you young people, and everyone who feels young, amen. In equipping your generation, it requires a daily and weekly dose of God's spirit. Your generation are surrounded daily. You're bombarded by messages of this world. So it's critical that you don't only feel God's truth, but you feed on it. It's one thing to know it and, oh, there's God's spirit, thanks, how are you? But to be equipped means you have to train with it. You have to wear it. You have to fight with it. You have to say, this is mine and I know it is. Because when you're going to be challenged every day by this world, you need to know where you stand. See that no one takes captive through hollow or deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than of Christ, as in Colossians 2.8. And I guess the final part of the vision is being prepared. So we've been rooted, we've been a group equipped, and finally we're prepared. What are we prepared for? Life. Good. 
So our desire, um, or the Holy Spirit put on our heart, is to see the journey of rooting and equipping all the way through. Ultimately, so that every young person in the ministry will be prepared for an opportunity to experience the short-term mission to actually go and practice their faith before you make your tradition to adulthood. So those of you getting older, you got to get on the mission field, guys. you got to experience this firsthand. The fruitfulness that will, that will bring can only be born out of the faithfulness that's required through rooting yourselves in the understanding of Christ and equipping yourselves in the daily pursuit of his spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shakalakala. Wakanda forever. Right now, the next part that I really want to speak to, then, you know, we sadly, to say the least, at the moment have a critical vacancy, and that's the crash. Now, you've heard Tommy talk about the children, and Chris and Emma just talk about the youth. The crash is in, you know, my God, the. To have our infants, uh, whatever you want to call them, toddlers, exposed to the love of God, understanding attention spans and knowing how to minister to them like sometimes 30 seconds at a time is an art form. Hear me? And so we thank God, like just recently, Vivine, Vivine's not with us right now, she's got a job promotion, but Vivine's just exited that place and just join with us in prayer. Like I said, we have some people that are, as it were, helping out temporarily, but we really, really need that minister. Just please say amen. We need that person who can be the minister in the creche. We do not believe in babysitting. We need that person who can be the minister. So just really get in faith with us about that. We know we have one in our midst or right close to us. They just have to evolve, okay? Somebody say okay. Amen. All right, now Dr. David Powell, who's our new worship pastor, if he'd come on up. And he's going to, he said he's going to, David's going to share his part as a rap. No, but first, sincerely, before I give it to him. I know what time it is right now. I sincerely thank you for your patience. But like I said, this is something that as a church we do maybe once a year. And so we appreciate your patience with us, okay? Because we've got David and then just uh, Bobby and, and Emmanuel that are going to just share quickly. And then we're going to dismiss you, okay? David? Hi, guys. Um, well, Dad, you're filming it. <laughs> so um, worship at CCF. Um, I'm, I'm a teacher by trade so instead of me just telling you I wanted to, to, to more experience it and show you um, so if you if you know it, sing along okay, just 30 seconds um, let heaven come let heaven keep going let heaven Thank you, thank you. So that right there is worship at CCF. Um, we all just jumped in. 
okay? Regardless of gifting, gender, age, how long you've been saved, uh, worship at CCF knows no barrier, and rightly so, as we respond to a love that tears down each barrier that it encounters. The truth is, we worship as a family. It's not about just those that are on stage, uh, those that are off stage as well. It's those in the congregation, those at the back. We worship as a family, all gathered around the fiery stove of his presence, declaring the magnificence of Jesus and his kingdom. Our worship also comes with expectations. Um, there was a long list of expectations I have uh, with the worship here. Um, I'm sure you guys want to know, so know some of the expectations. Yeah? Okay, I'll give you some. You can expect the following. You can expect that all sickness is done away with at the threshold of our worship. You can also expect that every single broken relationship is mended. You can expect salvation to be proclaimed and witnessed en masse as we lift up the name of Jesus. You can even expect the hand of suicide to be turned back from a generation that has been long mired in depression and low self-esteem. Worship, family, love, expectation. See, worship at CCF occurs when the family of God responds to his love with an expectation of seeing him move and act in our midst. So we let heaven come. It's not about whether you've got a jazz degree, whether you've got a doctorate in theology and music, or whether you can, you can barely dance. Okay? Seriously. It's all of us in this together. And as I say to the worshippers all the time, we don't call them a team anymore, we call them a family. As I say to the worshippers all the time, let's have some fun. Let's truly have some fun. Okay? That's worship at CCF. Heaven here on earth. Amen. Um, it, I mean, they all carry a huge responsibility, to say the least. And because of our DNA, like I said, what David's sharing is important. I'm going to have Bobby share next, and then Emmanuel's going to come and share a bit, and then Julie and I are going to pray. I'm going to say a couple of things. Bobby? Thank you. Hi, church. This is going to be so, so, so good. Like, not me, but the vision. It's going to be amazing. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about um, what the vision looks like operationally in terms of what the vision, loving deep and living full and dreaming big, how that manifests on an operational level. Um, so when it comes to loving deep, operationally, that we desire that every single operation, every single bit of organizing, every bit of function would be an act of love before God, that we would be preparing a wedding feast for our groom, whether we are laying out leaflets, whether we are picking up chairs, whether we are leading departments or ministries, it is an offering of love before the beautiful one, that Everything that we do would not just be an act of love before God, but it would be a service unto him and unto one another. That every single ministry would operate with love for God and for one another. That every ministry would care how their function impacts 
another ministry, how their function impacts the bigger vision, that we would be ministries that truly, truly care about one another, that we care about every single person who's going to encounter God every single Sunday in every conference and in every function or event or gathering or every home group that we may be part of, that we would care that people would encounter God, that we would be a people who, when they serve, they want everyone to be able to receive. They want everyone to be able to um, enter a place of rest and that there would be um, just an equal value for everyone's necessity to have rest and to be able to receive as well. That our practical sacrifice would be an opportunity for everyone to encounter God's love. That when we are doing all of our dis, dis, different tasks and functions when it comes to the operational aspect of this church, that we would keep at the forefront of our mind that the fruit of that labor is going to be that someone is going to encounter God. That it would never be just a practical task that we're carrying out, but actually we are facilitating encounter. We are facilitating the supernatural through our very practical, um, you know, places of service. That when it comes to living well, that we would be a house that in every single function we operate in kingdom values, that we reflect the culture and the ethos of heaven in the way that we have church, in the way that we structure church, in the way that we conduct our relationships and how we treat one another and how we treat every single person who walks through that door how we serve and how we lead and how we train and nurture and how we facilitate every single ministry area will be a direct um, just representation of heavenly culture. That our leadership and our team leaders and everyone that we raise up, that they will role model servant leadership. They will role model the way that Jesus um, led and he led by being a servant. That when it comes to the message and the music and the mission, that we would see that this is our mission. That this very house, every single Sunday, is a place of mission. There are lost people walking in through our doors every single week. And that we will be a house that will be prepared for everyone that's coming through the door. That we will be prepared to welcome them, to nurture them. That we would have resources in place for them. That we would know a whole array of array of languages so that we can communicate with them, that we would have an understanding of cultures and that this is what we would do because we care, because we are a people who understand the value of people, that we would be a people that truly understand serving, that out of a place of loving deep, that we would give of ourselves because true love gives, that we would be a willing people, just like Pastor Rod and Pastor Jay shared in the vision when it came to the mission aspects, that we would be a willing people, that we would not just be a people who serve because it's convenient, but that every fiber of our being would be willing to see God's kingdom come, even when it costs us. That we would be a prayerful people who take advantage of the prayer that's available in this house, whether it's our um, intercessory prayer time, whether it's our Skype slots, um, the amazing treasure that we've got, that we will be a people that are willing to invest in that. That we would see that intercession is not just a ministry for a few, that intercession is a ministry that we should all be partaking in. That we would be a sacrificial people, that we would not simply just serve in the area of our gifting. Because for me, I believe true sacrifice is when it costs you. I pray.
pray that we will be a people that truly, truly understand that service and true sacrificial service costs so that we would be a people that even if it's not in the area of our gifting, that we would be willing to see where there is a need and we will just dive in. I know we do that, but the vision for me personally, as I um, lead with Manny, the operational team, that this will be a DNA that every single one of us carries. That we would be a faithful people and a committed people, a people that finish well, a people that are in it for the long haul, that don't just dive in and say, you know, I'm going to, do you know what, sign me up for a week. Like, we're looking for people that are ready to be signed up for a year minimum, you know, that you really are in for the long haul, that we would be a people who steward our time, our gifting, our blessings, the buildings that we get blessed with, that we would steward them with honor and responsibility and maturity and kindness, that we would truly pursue a life of living well that comes when we are willing to give ourselves away when we are willing to give away our time and our energy and our strength and everything that we have and our giftings. That we would be a people that do not require a building to flourish, as amazing as that would be, but that we would carry the very values and ethos of heaven and we would carry our core values inside of our hearts, even though we're going to have our own building. That we would live sacrificial lives so that we steward and serve and nurture and train as if we already have our building, that we will fully embrace the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. And finally, dreaming big when it comes to the operational side of this ministry, that we would actually be a house that has a sustainable, blossoming infrastructure in place that goes beyond just making church happen, but that we are truly flourishing. That as we build together that Not only is church physically being established each week, but that members of this house would feel that their lives and their destinies and their characters, their friendships, their their creativity, their confidence, that all those things are growing. That the people that are in this house, as they serve, that their fire for life and pursuit of everything that they were created for is being fueled, no matter what ministry that they are serving in. That we would cultivate a sacrificial, vibrant community to really build physically and creativity where we all, every single one of us, gets to flourish in our callings, no matter what area that is in. That we would be able to um, innovatively, creatively train people in their gifting. That ministries would be so vibrant and life-giving that that giftings would develop. That the creative arts would have a space. That the kids and the youth would discover and be able to practice their callings in such powerful ways. That we would have so many people attending this house and so many people committing to serving. That we would be able to have regular fellowship and gatherings in place where no one gets burnt out. And we have courses in place and space for every kind of gathering and practical and creative space. And that every single person who is planted in this, in this house would find their fit. Wow. Wow. Um, You know, so much has been said today, and it's a lot to take in, especially for you if you're new to the church. But this is the vision. So now when we all see the vision, it's easier for you to run with the vision. Now, you're all here because God has placed you here for a reason. And I just asked John to put this scripture up. I don't know if you know the scripture, if you know about the scripture, but your light, your light. And 
You can't hide that light. My thing for this ministry and what I see, and I think I've spoken to the pastors and some of the team, is getting the word, getting the music. How do we get this out? And God reminded me that we are a light. You are a light. Many of you I know, this vision can't work without you. We need you. You're part of this vision. So now it's written. We need to run with it. So I want to encourage you and just remind you that you're designed to be a light to the world. And just even when you leave here, just remember, just say, God, you created me to be a light to this nation. And our prayer and what we're pressing into is, Father, as we come, we want to come before you boldly, not ashamed. I mean, what Christ has done, he's basically done it all. So why don't we now walk in the finished work? I am a light of God. All right? So I really want to encourage, I want to challenge you. Take this word. We're already talking to Chris. He's probably going to put something on the website that allows you to download the vision of the church. But take it, pray on it. Pray on it and say to God, Father, where do I fit into this? It's time, church. It's time. Amen. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. So thank you again for your patience and all that stuff. And uh, really, uh, the three things to remember. Does anybody remember what they are? There's three statements. Love deep. Live full. Dream gigantosaurusly. Dream big. Amen. Now, what we're going to do, Lexa, we're just going to pray. We say thank you so much, first of all, for your patience again. In about four weeks, five weeks' time, we're really going to actually create a little, I'm going to put together just like a little covenant-type thing of what we do in church and the states and other places. If you feel right about it, like we said, in other words, if you, wanna, if you really feel part of the church, and this is for your good, it's not for us, but we're going to type something out for you to sign, basically, where you put your name to it, your family name to it, and say, I take ownership of this. This is going to be part of my goal, my purpose, my desire to serve the kingdom of God in this particular fellowship, because everybody has to find a church home. You remember what the scripture says, planted. Everybody say planted. Planted in the house of the Lord, you shall flourish. You have to find a place to be planted. You can't run from church to church all over the place and expect God to allow you to flourish. And again, this will not be mandatory by any means, but something happens when, again, you enter into covenant. So part of this will be that for that reason, okay? Anyhow, so God bless you so very, very much. Thank you. Stand up with us, and we'll just excuse you. Uh, don't forget, in a little bit right now, I know it's going to be a little later, but unite in there with Carolina, who's going to be speaking to the women, all right? Father, lift your hands to heaven. You got enough strength to do that still? Father, we, we give you praise. I believe you're God Almighty. I believe in 
your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that you sent him to planet earth because of your great love wherewith you have loved us. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he went to the cross for us. I believe he bore on his body the stripes and the penalty for our sin and for forgiveness of sin and for all our healing. And Father, this day we declare once again our allegiance to you, the Father from whom all fatherhood takes its name. We give you praise today. We thank you for the priceless privilege of being in the kingdom of the living God, of being redeemed by your blood, and of being filled with your spirit so that we might indeed let your light shine. So, Father, I speak blessing upon every one of these people. I speak life to them. And I thank you, Father, that you truly take them from strength to strength, that they all will appear in Zion together. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray this. Amen, amen, amen. All right? To one other thing, again, there's about 15 of these vision documents up here. Please feel free to take them. Uh, we'll bring some more and set them at the back in the next following weeks as well so that you guys take one. I really do want you to take it so that you can read it afresh and pray over it. All right? Look at your neighbor and say you're incredibly blessed. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 